Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! Screamers, and welcome back to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 17, which means I'm sexy and 17, but I'm your little scream queen. That was terrible. That was a stupid joke. But you know what? I'm almost legal. So someone ought to start that countdown clock on the internet. Because pretty soon I'm not going to be jailbait anymore. What? Wait, what? Nobody, nobody has an internet clock about me? Well, Fuck you! I'm doing a show anyway. Tonight, the crapshoot is back with a vengeance as I go down under to find out what they're doing with their needle. Let me tell you this, they ain't having a quilting bee. And then, Zombart and I take to the dark streets of New York City, venturing downtown, and not in a dirty way, downtown to see an off-Broadway show called Play Dead. I don't know how good he is at playing dead, but Zombart sure rolled over pretty easy. Almost as easy as listening to this promo. Now available from Library of the Living Dead Press, Lakewood Memorial, the new novel from Robert R. Best. The whole world is dead. The small town of Lakewood has been overrun by the walking dead. In a single night, the world descends into a madness of biting teeth and a sickness that kills, but does not kill. I told you it was a bad idea. Well, the guy looked hurt, Park. You can't ignore a fella who's hurt. Well, he wasn't hurt, was he? Probably on meth or something. Caught at the center of it is Angie Land, young single mother and nurse's aide at Lakewood Memorial Hospital. Where are you two going? Break room. We're both pulling a double tonight, so I thought we'd take the chance to sit for a few minutes. Not yet, girls. I'll need everyone we can spare in the ER. She and a handful of others are lucky enough to survive the initial assault, but how long will they last? Follow me. I'll explain. Who died and left you in charge? Everyone. More importantly to Angie, how long will her kids, waiting for her at home, survive? Don't lose! Bailey? Lakewood Memorial, book one of a zombie trilogy by horror writer Robert R. Best, presented by Library of the Living Dead Press. Buy it online or ask for it at your local bookstore, www.robertrbest.com. Okay, before we get things started on the show this week, I just wanted to let you all know it's been a rough week here at Scream Queens headquarters. Brad hasn't been feeling well. I haven't been feeling well, and I lost a friend this week. So I wanted to just give a little tribute out to Fred Goldhaber, who was an amazing man. He uh, was one of the original, and for a long time, the only teacher at Harvey Milk High School here in New York City, which is, uh, um, if you don't know, is a high school dedicated to helping um, gay teenagers who, who can't fit in in other schools for you know safety reasons or personal reasons or, or whatever. Just it's, it's, it's a safe haven for gay teenagers. He's one of the founding members of the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, and I used to sing with him there and also in the Manhattan Gay Men's Chorus. And 
he passed away this week after a long battle with liver cancer and he will be greatly missed. And so I just wanted to play a little bit of one of the times I sang with Fred. With This is actually with the Manhattan Game Men's Chorus. If you would grant me four minutes and 35 seconds. Fred, this is for you. Love lives on.
realizing now that I may have just backed myself into a corner because there's no real smooth segue out of that. How do you go from that to the fun wackiness about to ensue? But Fred was a lifetime showman, and he knows more than anybody else the show must go on. So I think Fred would want this this way. So let's go to the crapshoot. Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crapshoot. <laughs> Paul? Paul? The crapshoot, as you know, is when I take a chance and dive headfirst into the vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in my endless search for a diamond in the shit pile. This week, I stumbled across a little Australian shocker called Needle. Shall we take a listen to the trailer? Oh, yes, we shall. This was found in a storage unit belonging to your father. My dad died two years ago. What is it? We don't know. We thought you might like to keep it. Le vol du mort. It's French. Translation being... The death of something... What's this? No idea. So what's it supposed to do? It was built as a tool for revenge. The voodoo death is real. And now someone wants revenge on us. The killer striking at people that you know. Reaper strikes fear to kill them from within. Who else knows about the machine? Never trust anyone. friends now I noticed right away that needle is being released by lightning video has anyone else has anyone else noticed this company popping up everywhere lately every horror movie release that I'm seeing listed on my uh, Time Warner pay-per-view is from lightning video and some of them look pretty good. Some of them look really, really fucking dicey. And I'm wondering if Lightning Video is the new Lionsgate. I don't have an answer for that. It's just a conversation point, which we can't really have because you can't talk to me. But it's something for you to think about. If anybody has an answer, let me know because I kind of care. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Lightning Video. We're here to talk about Needle from 2010. Now, Needle follows this group of college kids, particularly this guy named Particularly this one dude named Marcus, although everybody in the movie calls him Bobbo, and I don't know why. Bobbo. Are you a clown puppet? I hope not. That would be scary. Anyway, now his father was an antiques dealer, this, this guy Bobbo, 
We're going to call him Babo because no, I don't remember anybody calling him Marcus. Um, his father was an antique dealer, and he died a couple of years ago. And um, out of the blue, this lawyer shows up to him at his college, at his university, and says that they found this box in storage uh, that belonged to your father. And it was weird enough that the lawyer wanted to show it to him before he got rid of it. And the box, it's, it's a contraption. I really don't know how to describe it. It's this ornately carved wooden box with French lettering on it and um, you know, gold and brass and you know, cranks and needles and all these doodatteries that don't seem to make a lot of sense. Babo's like, all right, mate. Well, I'll think I'll keep it. Although he doesn't say it like that because he's trying to be American, but I'll come back to that later. Anyway, he shows it to his friends while they're, uh, they're having a party for the end of term, and they all don't think much of it and everything. They kind of poke around at it and doesn't do anything. At the end of the night, he just tucks it under his bed and forgets about it. He goes to class the next day, um, talks to his uh, archaeology teacher who wants to take a look at it, and when he goes to show her, it's gone. And lo and behold, almost immediately, his friends start dying in really strange and mysterious ways. Because it turns out this little doodad box, which they thought initially might have been a prop from the old Paris Grand Guignol, if I'm saying that right. Grand Guignol. Grand Guignol. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's the legendary, infamous French theater of horrors that was very, very popular in the 1800s. And um, for their depictions of gory, scary, awful, awful things. Kind of like these movies today. See? Anyway... They think it's from that, but it's not. It's older, much older. Nobody knows how old. Basically what it does, it makes really effective voodoo dolls. You fill it with wax, you put a little blood in it, you take a picture of somebody, and you put it in the convenient little sliding platform, you turn the crank, and poof! It's like the Play-Doh Fuzzy Pumper Barbershop. You get a little wax doll, and the needles are for doing horrible things to the person that you're doing the voodoo curse on, as you do with a voodoo doll. Yeah, I don't have to explain that to you. And from then on, it's kind of a whodunit. Who took the box, and therefore, who's killing these kids? Now, uh, I like the film overall, but it's got its problems. Um, as I mentioned, it, it's set in Australia, obviously, but for some reason, the two main characters, Babo and his brother Ben, his estranged brother Ben, are playing it like they're Americans. And... They're okay actors, but their accents keep slipping constantly, and it's a constant distraction. And it was bothering me because the more I looked at the story, the more I said, there's really no reason for these two guys to be American. Why didn't you just let them be Australian? Because it doesn't really make sense that they're both in Australia, and their father lived in San Francisco, but all his business contacts are in Australia. It doesn't make any sense. Stop confusing things. Also, for some, it might be a little light on the horror and too much on the mystery. But I actually wound up enjoying that. What I didn't like about the horror is that you kind of always, you know, you always knew who was going to die in advance because you saw the, the killer loading up the photo. Then it was just a matter of waiting. And sometimes it was worth the wait, sometimes it wasn't. But overall, the effects were good and, and, and things like that. That being said, there were some, a couple of really f fun, suspenseful scenes, like when the first victim, he's just out running because he's a Jocko type of person, not a Bobo, a Jocko. He's out running across the football field, and as he's running, every time he passes a lamppost, the lights explode, and he's just like, "What the hell's going on?" His slowing, uh, his his uh, slowly increasing sense of panic as he's running and the lights are exploding is really kind of cool because you don't know how he's gonna get it because he's the first one. I appreciated that this was a sense of this was a group of friends that actually liked each other 
and they weren't obnoxious like every other fucking American movie seems to want to make them. These were just okay kids having an okay time with their friends who they wanted to be with, who they mourned when they died, who they were really torn up about when they died. Unlike the American movies where they're usually like, wow, that's really sad. Let's go shopping for shoes. Although everybody grieves in different ways. Shut up, Patrick. Another thing that was interesting for the Scream Queens out there, there is a lesbian couple in this. And when they introduced the lesbian couple among the college kids, I was like, oh, God. It's going to be one of these horror movie lesbian couples because they're both really pretty and they're just going to make out all the time and they're going to have some obligatory awkward love scene that clearly neither one is into that's just there for the exploitation value. And unfortunately, straight folks, that doesn't happen. They kiss a couple of times and that's it. They're just a lesbian couple in this horror story. And I appreciated that. And it's not because I didn't want to see them naked, but I don't want to see them exploited either. A couple of other things I liked about the movie. The relationship between the Babo and his estranged brother, I found ultimately really satisfying. Like, it wasn't interesting at first. Like, it was very tired, but just the chemistry between them really clicks towards the end. And I, I enjoyed watching them both, even though they had ridiculous accents. What I also enjoyed is that even though we understand what the box does, we don't know why it does it, who built it, where it came from, really nothing. And you know me, I like that kind of mystery. I don't want to have everything spelled out for me. I don't need to have a whole flashback sequence to the reason why the guy built it in the first place and how it became cursed and blah, 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 blah. Don't care. They didn't bother. Why waste time? Get back to the story. Yahoo, way to go, Aussies. Something I didn't like, and this has nothing to do with the movie, is how they're promoting it. I looked at the description of the film, and it says, it's Saw meets Final Destination, and it's neither of those things. If you go in expecting either of those things, you're not going to get it. And it's really a complete misrepresentation of the story. I mean, the only thing it has in common with Saw is that it's about a gadget. I mean, this box is, it's got gears and they cranks and things. Therefore, it's like Saw? No. And Final Destination, I don't see it in all. Uh, I don't see in it at all, except that it's about pretty people dying one at a time. But that's pretty much every, every horror movie. So drop dead people who write the back of video boxes. I don't want to talk too much about the movie because I did enjoy it. It's not, it's not a gem. It's not a diamond. But I, I did enjoy it, and I don't think it's widely available yet. And I think it's worth a watch. It's a rainy day movie, definitely. You know, it's not your showstopper of the evening. But I think if you're patient and you like a little mystery mixed in with your horror, you're going to have a great time. And if you don't, you can kiss my hairy butt. You can kiss it anyway if you want to. This is actually probably a good one to watch with your significant other who doesn't like horror movies because the emphasis isn't on the gore and the horror as much as it is on the personal relationships and the mystery and suspense. So Needle, 2010, check it out. Let me know what you think. And let me know what you think about my butt, too. Oh, yeah!
the fuck up! Now give me that lolly. Seriously, fuck you, Electric Company, for writing this horrible song in the first place. It's like an infection. It gets in your head and it doesn't come out. Mr. Brad and I have been singing it all day and we don't even like it. Of course, the first thing Mr. Brad says, oh, that would be really funny to hear Chinese people singing. It would be, Rari, Ricka, Rari, Ricka, Rari, Ricka, Rari. And I said, you're a terrible person. You're a terrible person because my mind went to, wouldn't it be funny to hear Barbara Walters sing that? Wowie, wicka, wowie, wicka, wowie, wicka, wowie. But fine, whatever. It's all fine. It's a horrible song and you should all be ashamed of yourself. Plus, it's filthy. Go back and listen to those lyrics if you dare. Billy gave to Lily just what Billy gave to Molly. And then they all gave it to each other. It's terrible. It's filth. It's filth. It's filth. And I love it. I'm waiting for the dance mix. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, Zombar came into town last weekend, and we went to see a play called Play Dead. And instead of calling in and babbling for two hours at the end of the show, he called in and talked with me for a half an hour, all about this other show that uh, we saw. I burped. That wasn't a drink burp. That was a McDonald's burp. Just so you know. Just, yeah, smell the honey mustard? There you go. Um, there, well, as it seems to be a theme of this show, there is no segue out of that. So let's just get into Zombar's call, shall we? Okay, so recording in progress. It's recording. Okay, hi, Zombard. How you doing? Hi. It's recording me? Yeah. Oh, hi. Okay. Hello. So I, yeah, I'm not, not diving right into it. Give me no, no chance to collect my thoughts and get my genius in order. This is Scream Queens. We don't have genius here. Just let the thoughts flow. Just let them flow. So, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about... We're talking about Play Dead, which is at the Players Theater on McDougal Street in New York City. This is my first time on McDougal Street. It was very nice. It was very, uh, I guess, holding to the theme of the evening. It was dark, and there were lots of people around that didn't want to touch me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and lots of people asking you if you wanted to see a comedy show tonight. Do you like to laugh? <laughs> they, well, they got to fill those audiences. I don't know how many specials Comedy Central films a year. I know. But they I must know, do them they, all the week no, I'm there. No, you don't understand. It's the, every comedy club has people on every fucking street corner doing that oh god it's annoying it's yeah it really they there are times of the year where it's like running a gauntlet you can't walk 10 feet without somebody saying do you like to laugh part of me wanted to engage them and just go no, up and say yes never, no, yes i really want to never do that it's like no no no, no. they'll chase you like the gun-toting elmos oh i, I thought i was kind of like inviting the mormons in the talk and yeah, like much, they'll be shocked much. if you actually do it yes what what <laughs> yeah so we're, we're uh, zombart and i got together to see this show Play Dead with Mr. Brad. Well, actually, Mr. Brad's not in the show, but he was with us when we saw it. Yes, he was. He opted out of speaking with you all tonight because he's a big, big loser. I think he was just he was so, so shell-shocked that he didn't want to recall the horrors that we've witnessed. Yeah, that must have been it. Yeah, that, that, that must have been it. To what level are we taking spoilers? Cause no, I don't want to take it far. You don't want to take it too far? I don't want to the... take it too far. No, 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 no. Because I know I have some listeners in the area. Okay. And they want to go it. And this might go on tour. This is something that might play Vegas. I don't want to ruin it. We promised. I, it, I don't know if it would play a big room. It's we, kind of a small affair. Bart, we promised Todd. We promised Todd that the second half would go unmentioned. want to get Todd angry? Um, Do you want what happened <laughs> at the end to happen in your house? I, I recall some of it was sexy. Some of it wasn't. Do I get to pick and choose? No. Okay. Then, then no. Thank you. I, I better not. 
So anyway, Play Dead is a one-man show, and it was written and directed by... It was co-written by uh, Todd Robbins and uh, Teller from Penn & Teller. Oh my gosh, really? He can write? Apparently he can. Because I didn't think he could talk. He, he, he likes to whisper sweet nothings, and... Um... No, I, I've actually, in any of the, I know his routine is he doesn't talk, but I just happened to watch a Penn & Teller So he was whispering sweet nothings in your ear is what you're saying. Um, no, there you were some things. You have something going on with Teller. There were some things. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they were indeed some things. Okay, we go to the theater, and we really don't know what we're in for. I have a vague idea of what we're in for, because um, there's not a lot of press material out there, and what's in there is vague. And uh, I really should have the program. Hold on. Um. Uh, all, all, all I know is that with uh, the usual track record that Patrick's been having here, I expected A, to either get raped by a, pair, a couple of people in the dark, or there was supposed to be an exploding vagina at some point. Um, you know, so, something hideous that, that I could take back to Baltimore with me, considering, you know, every time you venture out. Now, I'm no supermodel, so maybe I kept the hideousness away, but... Okay, I had to run away to go get the program, so I have no idea what Zombart just said, and he probably was talking trash about me. Do not believe a word that he said. You're right. Don't believe anything I said when I was complimenting uh, Patrick on his good hygiene and things like that. <laughs> oh, thank you for noticing. <laughs> so what do we I got? I bet you didn't get, got... get floss there. But <laughs> okay, Ooh, well, um, uh... yeah. <laughs> what, what I'd heard about the show was that it was this guy. He'll come out. And he um, basically dims the lights and tells you some ghost stories that, about real people. And uh, he's like Penn and Teller. He's got some magic to enhance things. And uh, it's supposed to be a really sp fun, spooky kind of evening. And also that it was going to have something to do with um, turn-of-the-century seances. And uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Spiritualism. Right. It really seemed like – my expectation going in is I expected Teller does lots of artsy type of unlike, you know, Penn who's always yelling and, you know, breaking bottles and things. Mm -hmm. Teller, he does this routine in his show where he's like playing with the shadow of a flower and it's a really beautiful routine. And then it seemed to something that only he could kind of pull off. Mm -hmm. And I did have hints of that. Um, I'll just say like the, the scene where they did the ash trick, which I won't go into detail. But it was very similar to that in the oh, style, yes, 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 yes. In the okay. subtlety. It's like I'm going to do something very casual. It's very artsy, and it's going to make you wonder because it's not done like there's no like boom prestige. Ah, everyone's cheer. yeah, yeah. It's and I, I know the people like, at home have no idea what we're talking about. You're not going to have any idea what we're talking about. But what he was talking about was this little punctuation. Um, I don't want to call it a trick, but let's say effect at the end of a ghost story that just added this quietly beautiful yet eerie button to the story right Let, let's let's talk about todd robbins for a minute here i'm not i'm not familiar with this guy me either as a one-man show i was completely engaged he comes out in like a white uh suit mm -hmm. jacket Very mr rourke pants yeah. yeah and you just see this guy and it's like, oh, he's here, and like you get shades like, oh, he's going to tell us a story, he's going to play the piano a little bit, but he really has a kind of evil behind his eyes. Oh, absolutely. Like, like you really think that maybe this is the devil in disguise, and he's playing it to the hilt with just subtle, like, 
you know, there was there was a time where it's a very interactive show, and he had called an audience member up on stage, and he's like, they're joking, oh, we're going to put your hand in something. And then he, like, turns to her for a moment, and he's like, no, put your goddamn hand in it. And I was like, oh, God. It's yeah. like, for a second, the demon was kind of, like, showed its stripes kind of thing. And Yeah, this, yeah, you're right. The guy is Todd Robbins. He's very engaging. He comes out, and he's not performing at you at all. He's just like he's hanging out with you, and he's well aware that you're there. And it's just, oh, come on. yeah. He's got this little bit of down-home charm to him, and it's just really, well, yeah, charming. Very, very, and, very natural. Yeah, yeah, very natural. And it's just like, come on in. It's going to be nice. And, um, and he's quietly saying, I'm going to scare the hell out of you, and um, I'm going to tell you truths. And I'm going to tell you lies, and you're not going to be able to tell the difference, and that's what the show is all about. But the, like he says, the whole time he's got this nice, like, casual smile on, but you can tell there's a there's some fangs, yeah, in that smile that just haven't come out yet. And lot lots of the, I love the way he like does like pulls you into his trap. The whole show, I mean, the f- whole first half of it is kind of like I'm going to test you with something, and I'm going to draw you in a little deeper. I'm going to play a joke on you. But it's actually closing the trap kind of thing. Yes. Um, the whole concept of, okay, they tell you beforehand. And I think it starts with the ushers kind of being kind of yelling at you and getting you kind of like off your guard. Because we had that one crazy lady that was walking up and down just yeah. yelling at people to turn well, their phones off. No, well, I mean, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was yelling at us to turn our phones off. And very rightly so, because in this particular show, if someone gets a call or a text and your phone lights up, shit gets ruined because there is so much wonderful stuff that happens in pitch blackness. And when I say pitch blackness, I mean pitch blackness. It, it's, yeah, you're basically, it's night, you're in a basement, the lights are off, all lights are off. Including the uh, fire exit signs. which Including was, the fire exit. Which I was, wonder uh, how they pulled that one off with the, with the fire marshal. Um, it, 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 there, there's ways around it. Uh, I guess they, so, because they, he they called attention to it so you knew where it was, yeah. so... But it got to the point where the the lights were off, and he kind of starts the show saying, "Okay, in the darkness, anything can happen." And he's like, and he kind of invites the audience to basically fuck with each other. And he's like, "Go ahead, hit the person in front of you." Everything's oh yeah, because no, no, yeah, here. yeah, you left at the part that he turned off the lights. Oh yeah, well you're yeah you're in complete yeah. blackness. Yeah, he says the darkness. You can do anything you want in the dark. So here's your opportunity. And he shuts and, off the lights. He shuts off the exit sights. It's pitch black. And oh, by the way, we're allegedly locked into the theater at this point. So, you know, he gives us a chance. He's like, oh, by the way, if you guys want to leave. Yeah, he got about he, three minutes yeah. to do so. No. He, he does it in, in his stylish way. Like one of the examples of that is he kind of over, he's making a joke and he's like, you, you have until this out this uh, timer is yeah. is over, and it's kind of like he does it as a joke, like ah ha ha, what's funny? It's a timer. Uh huh. And he says, and, but when the sand run runs, when the sand runs out, if you're still here, you're here. Yeah, and everyone's and with that smile that, that says you're fucked. If you're still here, yeah. you really should be leaving. But he makes good on it. He makes good on yeah, you're here, and you're not getting up. And it, it was really a show where. If if you really actually had to go to the bathroom or something, you really couldn't. You, you're kind of stuck. Well, I'm so, sure you could go to the bathroom. I don't, I don't you, know. If you do go to the bathroom, he's going to pick on you. I mean, they can't not let you go to the bathroom. That's against the law. But um, it would it would kill the illusion in one of the jokes that happens earlier in the show. About I know, that. I know, I know. I, I'm just glad I didn't stand up at certain times because I'm pretty sure that in the darkness there's shit flying over your heads that you don't want to run into. Yeah, yeah, and, but yes. Um, yeah, so anyway, the lights go out, 
And we're sitting there in the dark, and he goes, now would be a really good time for you to just reach on over and touch somebody that you don't know. <laughs> and so everybody starts doing that, and a whole place is laughing and screaming and giggling. And this goes on and on and on. The man says, my goodness, I could just let you do this for the next two hours. <laughs> now, now, Patrick, how many people did you touch? I touched at least four. I I touched two. I got the guy in front of me and behind me, and I only got touched once. I think mm. that I noticed. So that did you notice? You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got yeah the guy in front of me, and you know <laughs> you know in front of me and to the left had this wonderful ball ahead, and I was just dying to go tiki 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 on the top of it. So I did. <laughs> you <laughs> smack him and yell space monkey. Ah, no, 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 because no, then you no. can trace the voice. You can't trace where the fingers came from. That's true. If you're, if you're just kind of salad fingering people and it's like, ooh. Yeah, so when yeah. I sat down, I said, Bradford! <laughs> he did it. <laughs> and blamed him. Why are you uh -huh. doing that? <laughs> so eventually well, when the lights come back on, he starts telling us, like he promised, ghost stories. He's got all these cardboard boxes around the stage that he says contain the um, some remnants and belongings of various very bad people. Right. They're like the kind of the file cabinet type thing, uh, cardboard boxes that you see in – the movies where they have, oh, this is the case file for Yeah, this the case closed kind of files. Yeah. Files, usually what they call the graveyard of files. So that was apropos. And so he walks us to people that you know, like Albert Fish, right. famed baby eaten serial killer of the early 19th, you know, early 20th century. Yeah, the turn of the turn of the century. I had a pretty good target for anyone in New York as far as kid killing and eating and types yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, if you want to tell because <laughs> there's a lot of competition in New York for that top kid killing and eating position. Um, well, the record's at 40 something. We. So <laughs> we just got to get on the ball. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Where was Bradford tonight again? Is he out? Uh, well, he just went to the store to get okay. food. And there is an elementary store right across the street. So, you know, <laughs> he's not possessed by Albert Fish, I hope. I hope not. I hope if he not. Comes, yes. if, he, if he comes back with jerky, that's an inside joke, then I'm going to laugh hysterically, by the way. Uh, gross. <laughs> he's out there right now going your mommy told me to come and get you and take you to a birthday party <laughs> uh, kids are stupid back then they deserve to get eaten isolate that quote that <laughs> kids are stupid they deserve to get eaten Just no edit back, out then, the back, back then edit that it's part out no 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 see I'm taking that part out oh my words have been my 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 well I don't really have a reputation so yeah go ahead well, do you, well you do but we're not telling you what it is Oh, I, I hear I hear Mr. Brad now. Yes, he's unpacking the children from the plastic bags or something. I don't know what he's doing. Um, so basically, after that, you know, he walks us through a couple of other creepy people. He does some. Um, again, he, I don't want to call them tricks. No, he's doing. He, he's basically kind of going the whole spook show concept. I think he related back to the Coney Island type of freak show, right? Type of thing where they'd have the geeks come out and do, you know, not not tricks but stunts. And um, glass eating and the nail walking on things, you know, th tricks like that. Mm -hmm. And he kind of uh, a few of those things kind of once more to kind of convince the audience that you're going to see some stuff. And some of it's really real and some of it's not. But his job is to kind of not let you see that line. Blur the, or blur the line so much. Yeah. Yeah. Or doubt the line. Doubt which the is line. even better. Um, yeah, actually, uh, in the director's note in the program that I'm looking at now, they said it was modeled off the Midnight Spook Show which was an American institution from the 1930s to the 1970s. And um, that was basically, you know, a magician would book a movie theater after the last 
a feature and, you know, sticks to skulls up all over the place and they would always sell out and everyone would be screaming and hugging each other and that sort of a thing. And it is what it is modeled after, but it goes a little bit farther. It has a little bit more serious tone. He, it's got all these, okay, let's just call them tricks because I can't think of another word for them, but they're woven into a story. They're not standing right. on the road. And now I'm going to do this, but now they're part of a story and it's illustrating the story and making the story real. Yeah, and it's kind of, the show's kind of broken up into, he leads the, the story towards each grand illusion that he kind of pulls off with a little, some little gimmicks here along the way. And then it just kind of adds up into, the finale's kind of like the culmination of everything just falling apart and just pretty much destroying the audience. Yeah, pretty <laughs> um, much, yeah. Um, but wow, it's really hard to talk about it. Without it is, specific. I'm finding it really hard to talk about. Even if we were able to spoil it, it would be hard to talk about. Well, we, we understand there were seances, um, lots of audience participation with people yes. being called up to the seance. Yes, lots of spirits, um, lots of tambourines floating through the air, lots of screaming. My friend Owen, who had seen it the week beforehand, you know, he's a longtime theater going because, you know, gay. And he goes, uh, <laughs> I haven't heard a theater audience scream like this since the 1970s when Death Trap was on, running on Broadway. Because ah. people were screaming constantly during this. Yeah, it's like every time the lights went out, people would scream like and it's before you even knew what was happening. And I I I I could I could speculate what was going on that was causing them to scream. I still the 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 pamphlet you get, the uh, playbill, yes. it it tells you specifically that there's no actors in the audience. Yes. And that everyone who's pulled up on stage is, you know, paid to further their ticket and they're there yes. for a night of theater. Um, is that itself a lie? Is something I'm still struggling with? Because I, I still don't think, think so. Some of it, I think some were real, but some of them, to do the stuff they did and to pull off the trick without, you know, being a jerk about it and like, you know, if someone's supposed to be dead or something, they don't like start laughing. Uh, the, it was how do how do you contain an audience member? Well, I like I know that from improv, and I've I've seen other shows that like people. If you're really skilled, you know how to pick the right people, and you also know how to get rid of people when you start to get that sense that this isn't going to work. Um, and I think this guy was really skilled in everything that he did. I'm sure he's been doing this for a thousand years, and he's able to pick marks really well. Speaking speaking of marks, they do a whole. There's a whole section besides the séance where they do a uh, they do a section on cold reading, which is a, something that Penn and Teller have been doing in their Vegas show because I've seen them do it there mm -hmm. where they kind of explain how uh, people are manipulated by using you know the simple generalizations and saying yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll John say, Edwards and, and all those folks I'll John Edwards and saying you know have you had a family member die was it a woman and just narrowing it down until they believe you um, he said that's the uh, cold read but then there's the people that could do the warm read and that's basically They'll turn to you and say, you know, your your grandmother's dead. Her name's Ellie, and she loves you, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they were doing some of that kind of stuff during the show, where it was like, unless it was said beforehand, then that, that's where I started having trouble saying, oh, I don't know how this could possibly be, you know, a fresh audience unless somehow they got that information. Well, I think we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, questioning the everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, and one of the things I want to say about this, even though everything was very light and fun and, like, the scares were kind of giddy, silly things. At first. You know, it, got, well, yes, it got intense towards the end. Well, that's what I was going to say. 
even at, even when it was light, he always he had this knack of all of a sudden making you realize what you're laughing at. The gravity of it, like this is death. This is the end. Yeah. And like even with his cold reading and the warm reading thing, his whole thrust of on it was how cruel it was. Oh, what right. an awful person does this, you know, to prey on the on the pain of somebody at the, when they're most vulnerable and to make money off of it. Right. He kind of gave his I want to say it's almost a political kind of viewpoint that people take on it. But then he wove it into the story and brought it back as part of the characters that we're dealing with in the show. Mm hmm. So it was kind of a nice inner – it's like he was able to use his – the horror of what he's describing and use that at real horror to twist it towards what we're experiencing now and how we're being going to be fooled later in the show type thing. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I'm not spoiling anything, but one of the stories that he tells is about someone he allegedly knew uh, for real in real life, a woman uh, – a kind of woman who was murdered that he had been close to for most of his life. And he was saying being at her graveside and willing to hear something, to please something, anything. And that silence was the scariest thing that he ever heard. And he said, right. think about that silence. And now I'm going to feed on that. Yeah, I'm, go I'm going to milk it for money for my own personal gain and think about how cruel that is. So you always have these moments of, of weight. Yeah. I mean, he hit, he hit such a gambit of emotion. From the fear to the sadness, and they, they warn you ahead of time. Like they in the list of oh um, yes yes go ahead. Walk yeah. in. It says um, th this has do not do this if you're claustrophobic. If you don't like loud noises. Don't if like you have panic attacks. Panic attacks. If uh, what was it nyctophobia? Mm -hmm. um, they had a whole list of stuff, and right at the bottom it said if you've lost someone recently, this may bring up real emotion for you, and mm -hmm. you know it's meant to be a part of the show don't take this as an attack on your loss we're not setting out to hurt you actually i'm looking at it right now and what it says is uh you know if you if you have if you've lost someone uh this may not be for you but what it says after that is it takes a certain kind of evil to expose a certain kind of evil yeah so and it also says under that <laughs> we're serious we are not kidding so but then after oh. that, everything, you know, after it, it, it ends in this carnival of craziness. Yeah, just every, you know, it's, I, th I think he he attacks the haunted mansion earlier in the show, saying you're not going to see any haunted mansion type crap here. No. And No, and you these, didn't. <laughs> some of the effects here, I really wish the haunted mansion would use. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the, you, you have visuals, you have things you're straining to see in the darkness. Uh-huh. And... I mean, without saying what they are, there's things that you'll say it's like, oh, there's some, there's, the, we're actually being haunted now. Yeah. From the show that's being set up, and we're seeing stuff that it's something you can only you can barely describe what it is without yeah. you know. If, if I attempted to describe what we saw, it would lessen the effect. There's oh, no absolutely. Way I, could, I mean, I could, I could I describe what I saw, but it sounds silly. Yeah. But it it's not silly when you're sitting there in the dark and it's in front of you. Yeah, and and you're looking, you're basically looking for the string, so to speak, and you're not seeing any. Right. Yeah. And oh, excuse me, cat. Sorry, cat's crying. Um, and there was always that wonderful thing where something would be going on, and you'd hear like a little pack of people somewhere else in the theater start screaming or yelping, and you're all of a sudden you're on pins and needles, going, "What is? What's happening? 
Yeah. What's coming? And What's coming for it, me? Is it coming for me? Because yeah. yeah, am I next? And that's and when you get hit in the face with something. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think I think that, that that pretty much covers all we were allowed to cover, unless you can think of something else. Yeah, I mean, we promised him on you know that he he'd kill us. So I don't think I think we've been so vague, but I think we've expressed that it's really good and. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and you see, he made his promise not to reveal anything that we saw in the second half of the show. Right. And when I say that we're scared, let's just say that white suit that we went mentioned, that Mr. Rourke clean white suit, was yep. not clean by the end of the show. It was very, very red. Yeah. And it was kind of awesome the way it happened. It was really awesome the way it happened. <laughs> But yeah, well, the- I, I don't want to spoil it too because it's, it's Christmas season. I know a lot of people that live far away are coming here. And by all means, if you're a horror fan and listening to this show, you might want to find some space in between Christmas shopping and the Radio City Christmas show to sneak downtown and catch this because this has got some Christmas spirits of a different kind in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. and I, I, was, I didn't know what it was going to be. I've seen some of these kind of ghost plays before and most of them are kind of silly yeah um yeah but yeah this this one was good and i think if you have any appreciation for teller's dark kind of humor Mm -hmm. without the bombastic that pen usually brings to the show i mean this is really god it's horror or even just with history this is all new york history stuff all these people are real that we talk about and some of the stories are fascinating on their own yep that's true okay i think we've blown them enough um, well, if there is enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there can't be enough. There's chafing sometimes. We, we fluffed them enough, at least. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to close this with just tenor, the Teller's little note that he has that closes off the, the director's notes. He says, Do it. so don't sit back, don't relax, because it's time to play dead. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you, Zombart. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Patrick. This is Hogan. Hey, Hogan. I was just calling to say thank you for the great, great podcast, and you have a happy Thanksgiving, you and Mr. Brad. Um, Thank you. Your podcast is the first horror podcast that my wife will sit down and just listen to and enjoy the reviews and laugh. Usually she wants nothing to do with them. So I just want to say thank you, and you keep up the great work. Bye. Well, thank you, Hogan. What a great way to start off the voicemail. Um, You have a happy... A happy, a happy Thanksgiving, too. I'm sure Mr. Brad and I will have a lovely time now that we have your blessing. And that's awesome about your wife. That's the stuff that just warms my cockles. Of my heart, you pig. Gross. Thanks for calling. God. Hey, y'all. Bye, your hunter. Want to call and say happy Thanksgiving. With a me. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, bye. I'm so surprised I can't even speak. You, you slapped me drunk. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Bio. I said it again. Bio. Bio! God! Well, Patrick, I, Metal Mikey, meant to actually comment on both episodes 14 and 15 today, but you know what? 14 was just so damn 
fully packed that so I didn't even get a chance to listen to episode 15 today. So that's going to be forthcoming. I guarantee you that. My thoughts mm. will be known on episode 15. You go, but, girl. And they, you know what the worst part is? I'm not even fucking done with episode 14 yet. Shit, man. Jeez. Well, it's so it's big. crazy. Anyways, you can't take it all. Uh, yeah, these are some of my thoughts on it. First off, uh, I got to admit your remix of the Silver Shamrock theme, along with a certified <laughs> Patrick Snort laugh. And don't think I didn't hear that. Honestly, that was classic, man. So kudos to you. Thank you. And, you know, unfortunately, I really can't say too much about the film that you covered. Oh, and, you know, this is just how shitty I am. I didn't even write down the name of the film that you covered with Mr. Brad and Brian from Drunken Zombie. But you know what? Um, the review, it was an bank. educational experience. Why? Because yes. I learned so much about Brian from Brian, apparently. That too much I just, about Brian. I just feel much smarter for the experience. So thank you for enlightening me. Even though I kind of think that the breaks between Brian's audio and the filled in parts, I don't know. I get the sneaky suspicion that it wasn't quite his quote, but that's just my in, impression. So Shut up, Mikey. It totally and was. And as for the two Haunted House reviews, you know, I'd actually be interested in the steampunk one. I mean, yeah, okay, I probably would have to deal with the douchebag, hardcore steampunk nerds. But, you know, hey, I've been to enough conventions around at least the greater lakes areas. I'm just sort of like, ah, well, you get some people that are just way too hardcore in their shit and just kind of have to deal with it. But just the concept itself really sounds a lot like a lot of fun. And also, wow, not only do I get to hear Patrick in a movie, not Patrick, the <laughs> Mr. Brad in a movie review. I also get to hear him talk about the steampunk house, and he gets the theme. Oh, man, he is indeed <laughs> super fly. I'm not going to take that he away from him at all. Fly. <laughs> and as for the other Haunted House review that you did with Kristen, and I will check out her blog because, please, pass on my word that she is quite the charming and classy lady, so yes, my hat is. is off to her. Yes, as for the Vortex Haunted House I guarantee you, there'd be no way I'd live through that. I would be like the shit-stained, heart-attacked corpse that they'd have to drag out at the back of the hallway. I would just die of sheer fright and then horrendously soil myself. Yeah, that sounds like some really intense shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What can I say? You know what? When it comes to explosions and battlefield shit, idol maven of action attraction... I could deal with that, but wow, that that seems way too damn freaky, if you know what I mean, and uh, uh-huh, I'm pretty sure you real. did, because you walked through it. Anyways, Patrick, again, I'll call you back soon time, soonish for other episode thoughts, but until then, take it easy, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Mikey, thank you for calling in and for admitting that you would shit your pants in a public place. I got that on tape. Fuck my snort laugh. Anyway, um, yeah, everything Brian said, he said. Everything I allegedly said, he said. I wouldn't make stuff like that up. He likes it when Uncle Randy fingers his butt. He has a t-shirt that says it. Isn't that right, Crazy Lawnmower Gun? You've seen that t-shirt, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Mr. Brad has a theme song. Yeah. Uh, those of you on the Xbox, uh, I downloaded a game called Comic Jumper. This lame superhero who jumps from comic to comic, and his first supervillain that he fought was Brad. 
and Brad's awesome, and everybody loves Brad, and he's got a theme song. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, be as full. I'm not singing it. You'll maybe you'll have to download the game to hear the whole thing. But anyway, Brad took to it like Brad to a chocolate cake, and um, yeah, he's stuck with it now, and so am I. Anyway, great to hear from you as always, Mikey. Thank you for calling in, and stay metal. Like I have to tell you that. Ah! Now, before I launch into this last call, I do have an email that I want to talk to you about, uh, lest I forget. Uh, and it's from Headshot Heather, and she says, Hi, you're awesome, Patrick. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, okay, got that part out of the way. I didn't want to get all mushy with my Patrick love. Oh, go on. Mush it up, girl. I'll wait. No, I won't. Anyway, I'm still here and still loving the show. She put one, two, three, four, five O's in that, so I'm not, you know, I'm just reading it how she read it. Reading it how she read it. Oh, shut up. You know what I meant. God. Sorry I don't write in more, but I'm still listening and get excited when I know a new episode is coming out. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, I'm excited for the very first ever Scream Queens movie night. Yay! Um, which will have already happened by the time you hear this, probably, but it's okay. We'll read about it anyway. Zombie Hunter, Tony, and I are going to be there. Cocktails are necessary, correct? No, they're mandatory, which I guess is the same as necessary, but damn it, you better have cocktails. On Xbox, we are going to train you on the multiplayer load. Multiplayer load? Whew, that's a whole other game. A multiplayer mode of Left 4 Dead. Our practice mode will be Tony and I killing off the AI and allowing... Oh, it's just about how she's going to make me great at um, Left 4 Dead. Which I'm not going to reveal the secret of because then you guys will get better at it and you will kick my ass. Anyway, next subject, please. So all your Scream Queens of the Week have been people you've actually met during the week. What do I have to do to earn that title? Come on, I don't want your tiara. Well, maybe just to look at and touch it. It's pretty sparkles, and imagine how pretty it would... Give me that damn tiara. I mean, please, may I look at the tiara? Pretty please. All right, gotta go. Love the show, and I love you, Headshot Heather. Okay, let's talk about tiaras, shall we? Let's talk about the Scream Queens of the Week first, though. They have not all been people I have met during the week. No siree bub. No siree bub, because I have never met Miss Janaya Janaya. Who dressed as zombie Oprah for Halloween? I've never met her in my life. I never even spoke to her before that message. She just came out of the blue and plopped that zombie Oprah in my in my lap and you know, didn't have any better takers that week. So she won. She won for her gusto and her moxie and her other words that don't get used much anymore. I don't know what you have to do to win the title, Headshot Heather. I know it when I see it. You can't have it this week. There is no Scream Queen of the Week this week, as some of you may have noticed already. In light of the passing of my friend Fred. Sentimentality says, I'll make him Scream Queen of the Week, but that's just silly. He's not with us anymore. But if he were here, I would give him my tiara. But Fred, you don't need a tiara anymore. You already got a halo, so you rock that thing, girl. Okay, now I'm depressed. Let's listen to Zombart. Hey, Patrick. It's Zombart. Zombart. Hello. Yes, it's Zombart, and I am driving home from a lovely weekend in New York. Oh. Where I did, in fact, get to touch and prance with the the legendary Red Menace. And Excuse I was me? calling in uh, just once again to, to thank Mr. Uh, Mr. Patrick and uh, Mr. Brad for keeping me company all day yesterday. Oh, um, you're welcome. I had a good time and everything. And I wanted to uh, drop my quick review of the uh, play we went to see, uh, Play Dead, by uh, directed by Teller of Penn & Teller fame. <laughs> Denied. 
There will be no more discussion of Play Dead. You already got your chance to babble for a full half an hour. If you didn't get everything you needed to say out then, we're not going to listen to it now. Let's cut to the part of your call where you say more nice things about me. Okay, okay. Uh, we also saw Pee Wee Herman. I dare say I enjoyed it. Yes, we did. Uh, maybe not as much as Pee Wee, but pretty close. But Starbuck just Pee-wee loves Pee Wee. A completely different show. You can't compare them. But nope. just the level of enjoyability and wanting to dish about it afterwards was the same. And I'm going to stop now because I, apparently I'm very wordy and some people don't like that. So I will talk to you later. Patch. Bye. Oh, Zombart, we love you and your verbosity. We just like giving you a good time. A hard time. A good hard time. Oh, man. And for those of you who didn't know what he was talking about, but, but seeing Pee Wee, yeah, Pee Wee Herman's doing a live show on Broadway right now. You know, bringing back the Playhouse. So we got to see Pee Wee's Playhouse live on Broadway. And you know, all you cocky sons of bitches who were just gloating about being at Har Hound Weekend, the great time you we were having, well, you're not seeing Pee Wee Herman live on Broadway. And you're never going to see it because you live in bumfuck nowhere. Ha ha. You're not even going to get a Pee Wee Herman purity ring like Zombart got. I still don't really know what that means. I think that means he's saving himself for Pee Wee Herman. He can't have sex until he has gets married to Pee Wee Herman or something. Either way, it just keeps boiling back to Zombart loves Pee Wee. He can't get enough Pee Wee. I'm trying to work an innuendo in there and it's just not really going. So let's just pretend I succeeded brilliantly and move along. Okay, okay. Oh, guess what, kids? I said guess what, kids? Yeah, it's time for me to wrap this show up for the week. But before I do, I want to give a huge shout-out thank you to Crazy Lawnmower Guy for developing this, well, crazy logo for the show that he did. I appreciate the effort, even though it does look like I have an afro. We're going to work through this. We'll work on it together. But I love it. And Screamers, there is still time for you to help nominate Scream Queens for a podcast award. So if you haven't already, please head on over to www.podcastawards.com and vote for Scream Queens in the categories of movies and film and LBGT. Now, LGBT. Alphabet soup, whatever the hell that one is. You know what I mean. Need I remind you, everybody's doing it. You're not cool if you don't do it. What are you? A chicken? It looks like I'm going to be staying in town this week, so we're going to have a Thanksgiving episode next week. Yay! It's going to be wild turkey. I got nothing. Also, I wanted you all to mark on your calendars this historic occasion. This show right here. Whenever you're listening to it, this is huge. This is the first show in weeks where I have not encountered an exploding vagina. Perhaps my curse is broken. Perhaps the evil has just gone into hiding, gaining power, lighting a longer fuse. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to get in touch with me, please do so. You can drop me a line at crew at screamqueens.com. That's queens with a Z! 
you can give me a call at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can friend me on the Xbox. Red Menace, NYC. All the cool kids are doing it. So have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Try to overlook all the mass murdering, smallpox, and syphilis in, in, in the history of the event. And just focus on the big Snoopy balloon and the Snuggle Bear. Actually, the Snuggle Bear is probably more evil than syphilis, but that's up for debate. Regardless, see you next week, and remember, as my grandmama used to say, It's all fun and games until somebody's uterus falls out. Oh, damn it. Bye! I go hunting for witches Heads up, galleries some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>